Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who have great personalities Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 351 for January 23rd. 2017. On today's show, we're talking about... read anything, I promise. That's right. Uh, (laughs) No proofreading for me. We're talking about casket joinery, dust collection for a small shop, and tabletop board direction. And before we get to the good stuff there, let's uh, thank... Well, another good thing. Let's thank some of the folks who helped us out with donations. Specifically, our buddy Tom Buell. Always uh, like to hear from him. And hold on. I'm doing this like right now. Okay, here we go. Jeff Clement. Hugh. (laughs) Another Hugh Janus. So wait a minute. If he, oh, yeah. Did he cancel? Did Hugh Janus cancel his pledge and then restart it just for us to uh, be able to do that? <laughs> that must be the case. Okay, Don Craigle, uh, Hector Estrada, Carl Hudson, Carwin, Carwin Owen, and Bobby Blizzard. What a great name. Bobby Blizzard. Sounds like That's a boxer. That's a really good one. Should be definitely should be a boxer's name. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for helping us out, folks. So those people went to Patreon, patreon.com slash woodtalk, and they selected one of the reward levels and signed up for a recurring donation that essentially helps us uh, do this show and gets you a couple of uh, cool little freebies in return. And we really appreciate the folks who do that. We appreciate the folks who don't do that. Maybe we appreciate the folks who do that just a little bit more. Maybe. Just a bit. Just a tiny bit. But uh, that's the good stuff. So let's get into what's on the bench. And uh, this this weekend for me was pretty cool. Went to the woodworking show in Kansas City and uh, basically left like, I forget, Thursday night, Friday night. I don't know. It's all blur. It's all crazy barbecue sauce filled blur. And uh, so we went down there for one day, hung out at the woodworking shows. And it's been like eight, nine years, I think, since I've been to one of these woodworking shows. And I I did an episode there for the Wood Whisperer like very, very early on. And uh, it was pretty cool. The show's a little bit larger than I remember it, though some people who were there are like saying that it's smaller than it has been in recent years. But like I said, I haven't been there in the last eight years to to see that comparison. So, um, but it was a blast, guys. It was just hearing from people, getting to to shake hands and put faces with names, uh, hearing how many people listen to this show specifically was was just a treat. And it's, it's just always cool because we see numbers, you know, and that's all we see are numbers and graphs and stats that tell us people listen. But it's a whole different thing when you could actually shake someone's hand. It's like, yeah, we listen to Wood Talk all the way here in the car. And it's like, I'm very sorry about that, <laughs> but uh, thank you for the support. That's when you flinch and like throw your arms up in defense, like they're going to hit me. Yeah. Please don't hit me. Please don't. That's why Nicole's there to block all the wayward punches. That's so, true. uh, it was a good time though. Um, sold a bunch of books, hung out at the Powermatic booth. The folks at, uh, the shows are always cool. Got to meet our, or see our old buddy, Jim Heavey. And, um, oh, you know, you guys know Alex Snodgrass, the bandsaw dude, Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I've been meaning to meet him for a long time. We've exchanged a couple of emails and this was finally an opportunity to meet him and a uh, really good guy. I'm hoping that he actually might stop by the Denver shop and maybe we'll do a video or something together this summer. So, um, that may or may not happen. We'll have to see. You, you say that like you have multiple shops. You're still shop, hanging on to the yeah. Arizona shop. You know, well, the way anybody? the way it is, the way I switch shops, I think people need that clarifying, like because you, you never know when someone's <laughs> listening to this show, right? They could be oh, listening man, to it over I mean, here. I have a main vacation home and a secondary right. vacation home. It's allowed to have a main shop and a yeah. So shop, this is my sure. Denver shop. There might who knows there could be an, another shop after this, and there were certainly multiple shops before it. So <laughs> we'll have to uh, <laughs> we'll have to see where it goes from here. <laughs> So that's about it. Got home and, you know, it was really, you had to rip me away because I'm in that uh, home stretch of the shop 
stuff like basically being back to the point that I could start cutting wood and building furniture again. I am so, so close. So it was very difficult to tear me away from that and get me in the car to go on that road trip. But, uh, you know, came back and hit it hard again today and uh, got the flooring and stuff, the the rubber flooring down, got the tools moving in position. And I am so close, guys, to getting uh, everything fired up and dust collection set up. And uh, man, I just want to make some projects. So that's about it for me. Matt, what do you got going on? Well, I did a lot of editing last week, and then I decided that I'm sick of staring at my computer. Mm-hmm. So I spent uh, some time on Friday and on Sunday working on the lift motor for my sawmill. I got that installed, and it does work. So the saw head does go up and down, which is pretty cool. I still have some to, work to like, do. To adjust for each subsequent cut? or the, Yeah, okay, exactly. To set the cut height for whatever you want. Nice. So yeah, that actually worked. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I still have a few things to do on there. I got to put some tensioners on the chains. Um, there's no tension on them right now, so they kind of flop around a little bit. But it does go up and down, which is, I don't know, it's pretty exciting for me at least. That's a victory. <laughs> that's, that's nice. <laughs> I'm pretty thrilled that about you can it. take more than just one cut per log now. <laughs> <laughs> it was so wasteful before. You just do one slice, <laughs> kick it off. You just get that one board bring and throw the, next the rest log. away. <laughs> Well, see, when I first started using it, I would it was like a fixed uh, height. So to like change the cut height, you would have to like lift the log, like shim the log up into the cut, and then I I welded a nut to the top of the lifting rods so I could like adjust the height manually with a socket wrench, which was very time consuming, but it was a really good workout, really good for the upper body. Nice standing up on top of the mill and turning a socket wrench. Um, so that was cool, and now I can actually turn it with the motor which is awesome. So I, I spent some time figuring out how to do um, controls, external controls on a VFD um, so I can like change the speed and the direction with a, little, with a toggle switch and a little dial. So I can really like, you can put it up all the way to get some fast adjustments and like turn it down as you're getting close to your, to your mark so you like land on it perfectly-ish. Nice. How, fa- how fast is it? Uh, it's pretty slow right now. Since those chains are flopping around, I don't have it, I didn't want to run it at full speed mm-hmm. so it, um, what is it? The motor <laughs> puts out, I gotta look and see. I think it's like 60 RPM motor on the okay. gearhead. Uh, and I have another reduction just in case I needed it to kind of experiment. So it's actually being reduced another like two to one or even more than that with through my sprockets, mm-hmm. which I probably don't actually need. Um, so in the end, I'm hoping that it moves. What if I get it one to one at 60 RPM, four turns per inch? That's what. Uh, my God, 15 inches per minute. Yes. Is that okay. right? Yeah, so it, it would be no raised and lower at 15 inches per minute. <laughs> okay. That's not I too bad. No clue. Oh. Let me get my calculator. Yeah, that's some head math right there. It's <laughs> a <Some> good <laughs> Matt head math. <laughs> Nothing but the best. Uh, and then in the shop this week, I was messing around with some strip LEDs. Uh, those are the LEDs you got in like a little roll and they have adhesive backing. Um, I had these really old... Um, really cheap fixtures you get at the home center and like they don't have an actual ballast they're like integrated into the ends so you can get those upgrade leds where you like bypass the ballast and then just wire the the um the lamp holders directly to 120 volts Mm -hmm. but these are not really conducive to that so i like took my led strips and stuck them inside the fixture and made my own custom led fixture with some um light strips nice so it's actually nice. got more output cool. in that one fixture than you would have if you just upgraded it with the um, the LED tubes. 
That's why like I almost s- I saw your picture on Instagram, but the lights were on and they were too bright for me to be yeah, able you- to see what was going on behind there. <laughs> That's what it's like in there. And the hardest cool. thing about those lights is they're so bright. So if you look at them and then you close your eyes, you'll have like strips. You can just see the <laughs> little dots everywhere you look. Nice. Oh, it's, Always a good idea with power tools. It's bad. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking <laughs> up at mine. And now that, now that I think about it, that really, that'll mess you up. Oh, yeah. Because it's just a bunch of little white dots. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't Let me not do that dots. anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't look directly into the sun either. It's a, uh, a bad thing. And I had um, some I, offsets from that too, so I added them to my bandsaw. So I have lighting on the underside of the upper cabinet of the bandsaw, so the table is directly lit from above now, which no, is that's awesome. Smart. That's really smart. That was a, that's one of my best ideas, I think. Hmm. See, now you got me thinking, man. I'm looking around going, all right, what can I start taping some LED strips to? <laughs> yeah, I have a <laughs> whole can other I roll. Some light? Yeah. So I have, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, ah, oh, what else can I do with these things? I got a whole roll here. I might as well stick them somewhere. Oh, yeah, it's, like, sitting here. it's really the perfect task lighting, especially since it's uh, adhesive backed. You could just kind of pop a, a couple little little lights anywhere you need them. That's great. Yeah, you yeah, can spell your name people. out on the wall. Put like a big, <laughs> hi, Matt. Just there make you it go. Good every time <laughs> oh, you come in. I should shop. do it like an LED logo light. There's there a good go. project. Ooh. Nice. That's nice. so bright. Can can I ask a question before we get too far, like back to the bandsaw? Because I'm sitting here <laughs> yeah. thinking, I, Wait, I just caught up with your headband. Let's oh, just man. let's just put it put it correct here. <laughs> on on a on a normal, I don't know whether you call it a normal sawmill or whatever, but you advance the carriage, you know, left and right laterally in order to create your four quarter, eight quarter, whatever lumber. How do you make repeatable cuts? Like, are you just eyeballing? Because right as you draw, as you raise and lower the the saw head, it's changing it from four quarter to eight quarter or six quarter or whatever, right? So well, how do you make board off? Yeah, how do you making repeatable cuts? Do you have like detents or is there like a ruler or there's something a ruler? That, yeah, I okay, bought so a, I bought a like lumber a planer, scale. In other words, so you're yeah cranking the planer and just eyeballing the ruler. Exactly. Yeah. Right now and then with the um the motor and the VFD and all that stuff later. I, I plan to do like an automated thing where you just tell the computer like I want four quarter bores and then moves to the next four quarter position so that the bore coming off the mill is exactly the thickness you want every single time. Mm-hmm. Then you could, that's then awesome. You just go, hey Siri, cut me an eight quarter board. <laughs> well, that's exactly kind of the. No, I, up, I hope Siri. to one day. The problem I'm only going to do it as like kind of like a fun thing, but I'm hoping to control it from the living room, yeah. like because I have the I have the living room that <laughs> overlooks the sawmill, so I'm hoping that someday. In theory, I won't actually have to touch anything because I'll have um, log handling that's hydraulic controlled, and then I have the saw head, which is all electronically controlled. So in theory, you don't have to actually be there. You can be wherever you want controlling it. Man, that would be amazing. You got you to have a soundtrack at that point. <laughs> Man, that would be fantastic. Oh, that's great. <laughs> So how's that bookcase? Like George Jetson meets the lo- the lumber yard there. <laughs> yeah, so me, I uh, I played finish to a bookcase. I finished a project. Yay! But I got to play around, play around with tents a little and mess with color and stuff. Um, I have a gallon. I'm not sure why I bought a gallon of Endurovar, but I did a while ago. So it's kind of like I have to use Endurovar on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. so it doesn't go bad. You're being very optimistic. So, yeah, I was. <laughs> so, but I, I wanted to add some warmth to the pine of this thing. Um, and, you know, Endurovar is pretty good about a little bit of kind of amber color. But um, 
you know, it's for people who are like, well, why didn't you just boil linseed oil? I could have done that, but I don't have a whole bunch of that. <laughs> I've got to use up the Endurovar. Mm-hmm. So I used some um, vintage maple trans tint dye and just kind of messed around with it a little bit to, to tint the Endurovar and, you know, did some test coats on the back of some offcuts. And then I did another test coat on the back of the backboards, figuring, hey, nobody's going to see that, right? And uh, I don't know. I think it came out pretty good. So I used a, a green, like a dark green milk paint on the side and uh, like what, uh, I guess about three coats of the milk paint. And then I just went over everything, both the milk paint and the the unpainted stuff with Endurovar. Um, One coat had a little bit of that vintage maple in it just to kind of tone things up and yeah, I guess I essentially tinted the green paint too. You can't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just finished it up with untinted Endurovar, three more coats of that. And it's purdy. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> it's purdy. Did you use uh, <laughs> real milk paint or is it the general finishes? No, quote, general unquote. finishes. Okay. Same thing there. I bought some general finishes milk paint and ended up not building, deciding not to build the project I bought it for. So it's like, I don't know if the milk paint has an expiration like the other stuff does, but yeah. I'm like, I got to use it. Right. <laughs> this is what's happening. This this whole project was definitely a don't, you know, use what you got in the finishing cabinet. No reason to go and mix anything up or go buy something else. So, yeah. But needless to say, I am still waiting on those fancy schmancy French nails to show up. I'm telling you, it <laughs> takes a long time for the train to get there. Yeah, it's got to be. All so, the way from France. The, by the time they show up, I'm going to be like, I don't even want to put rot nails on this thing anymore. It looks good the way it is. <laughs> right. You know, it's strong. It's holding together. It's finished. It's nice. So, yeah. But the cool part is, is we're not yet out of January and I've already finished a project for the year. So I'm like way ahead of normal years. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. It's like, it's like showing up and catching a fish in the first five minutes. The rest of the outing is just great. It doesn't know? matter. Hey, I caught one already. So <laughs> right. no matter what happens this year, I've at least finished one project so I go. can rest easy. Yeah, you can take some time off now. Yeah. See you in <laughs> July, suckers. There you go. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into what's new. And we've got, uh, let's see, four or five things here. So uh, this this was something that you probably saw if you were uh, on social media the past week. It's kind of hard to miss, um, but I'm titling it so easy, so easy, even a monkey can do it. <laughs> and this is that uh, video of the orangutan who's like using a handsaw and enjoying oh, yeah. enjoying him. And is it a boy or a girl? I don't know. I don't. You mentored under David Barks. This guy was my mentor. Yes, exactly. Everything I know about handsawing from this champion. Well, you can see, I actually did see some similar technique uh, right before it started to make the cut. He kind of just like licked the blade with its lips, gave yeah. it a little kiss before he started just to, you know, lube it up a little bit so it makes the cut oh. easier. I was like, you know, I've seen Shannon do that exact thing. So it's important. It's very important to do that. Just watch the tooth line. Just with those oh, like big man. giant prehensile lips of yours, right? <laughs> <laughs> just, just. Well, you have you have to start doing that now. Like, you really if, I don't, should. if I watch Shannon video, I don't see him licking saws. Pull out I'm your saw. It off. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, because the safety police won't have a problem with that. Not at all. Hey, if a monkey can do it, so can you. And uh, yeah, you guys got to check it out. It is pretty cool. I mean, when you think about uh, just evolution in general and the ability of some creatures to utilize tools is a very important thing on, you know, sort of the evolutionary scale. And it's just neat to see a completely man-made item in this, uh, this monkey sort of just pick it up, take it and start to, uh, to actually make cuts with it and enjoy the process, which is pretty cool. So definitely check it out. Hmm. Is it I'm a monkey? For the, did I, did, is that the wrong a, terminology? It was a chimpanzee. 
Okay, it's a chimp. I don't I it's don't a, think that's a monkey. Let's just call it a primate and be safe. Or was it an orangutan? It's an orangutan. It's an orangutan. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. It, Maybe it was a human. I'm gonna, it was a red-haired human. <laughs> Maybe it was Tom Iovino in his in his little <laughs> monkey mask. It could have been. That's right. Shot monkey. <laughs> I'm going with that. That's what I've decided. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's going to be. Oh, uh, where are we? I'm on the wrong page here. Uh, you're oh, nice. You got your uh, art of design. Yeah, sorry, I scrolled down. So um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's a new show, documentary, multi-part thing coming out on Netflix February 10th called The Art of Design. Or actually, it's called Abstract, The Art of Design. Whoa. It just looks really cool. Um, it's not a it's not a reality show or competition or anything. It's purely a documentary, but they've got multiple design experts, like a shoe designer from Nike. There's an interior designer. There's like an automobile designer. Uh, several other design folks and it's really just it's 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 about design um but i don't know there's something that looks very intriguing about it i I feel like i've kind of gotten sucked into the design rabbit hole a little bit lately and you know as i'm building pieces and talking about contrast and line and using grain to mimic line and stuff like that all the fun things that i can do kind of from my armchair (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> armchair design basically <laughs> but you know there there definitely seems to be kind of a real paucity of of just design information there's so much eh, go by what you know what looks good from the eye and then you've got the whole pull out the dividers thing that uh george walker and jim tolpin are doing which is kind of cool but it, it's in my um experience it's almost too abstracted from like practical design um what is it? And there's a line in the the trailer for this. It's like, how do you create taste? How do you create a style? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. There's just something very intriguing about it that really speaks to me as a as a furniture maker and hopefully a bunch of other furniture makers. So if you don't have Netflix, sorry. Go get it. Not cool. <laughs> it's not cool. So. I'll send you my password. It's cheap enough. There we go. <laughs> What's cool about this, the, the whole design thing, I don't know about you guys, but at least for me in trying to just make better designs when I do make things in woodworking has sort of over the years increased my awareness of how much design goes into everyday things that I wouldn't even think about. Uh, and right. something like this mm-hmm. is, is really eye-opening to be able to see various products as they hit the market, just how much uh, time and effort and iteration goes into creating this thing that I completely take for granted every day. Um, but someone worked their butt off to, or a team of people worked their butt off to get the design just right. It's pretty amazing right. stuff. <clears throat> yeah. In fact, usually the more you don't notice it, the better the design exactly. the more time that went yeah. into it. <laughs> right. So anyway, February 10th coming to Netflix should be fun. Cool. Looking forward to it. So, uh, now we're working in America this year. What? I know. I'm I'm actually personally upset about this because I had a pretty good streak going. I mean, I this would have been my fourth year in a row if I had attended this year. Trust me, you always miss the fourth year. Everyone knows. <laughs> it would have <laughs> happened. Thing. It's like they, they knew it was going to happen to me. Like, oh, save you the trouble. Happen. They save face, somebody, actually, is what they did. What do you me. think about Matt? It's important. <laughs> so what's the deal? So they're all alternating with handworks? Like they're kind of just yes. saying, Let, let's not do a show in the same year? I think it's more of, hey, we realize that, you know, it's expensive and people are going to have to choose either or. So mm-hmm. we just abstain <laughs> rather than fight it. You know, um, I wonder, well, I mean, there's got to be multiple reasons there because there's also the marketplace. And I mean, I think we all said that there were fewer people in the marketplace and there were some definite missing people from the marketplace mm-hmm. uh, this last year. Um, Bad Axe wasn't there. 
Um, that was the the biggest one that I saw. I think that's his first missed show. But they're going to Handworks, you know. And from what I understand, because I have yet to make it to a Handworks, I'd like to go this year. I'm still not sure yet. But that's nothing but Marketplace. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm somebody who's going to exhibit in a Marketplace and I can only go to one, I'm going to the one that doesn't have those stupid classes distracting people from spending money. <laughs> yeah. It almost reminds but, me of a smaller version of uh, AWFS and IWF, the two big uh, tool manufacturer right. shows. They're not on the same year. They always alternate. So each show happens every two years. Yeah sense i mean it, it actually works just because i've kind of fallen into a rhythm of going to every other woodworking america just because right. it is expensive you know yeah. um and you know, to, to be perfectly honest i've had a press pass i think every year i've gone but that's like the smallest expense of the entire weekend <laughs> yeah it's like you still gotta oh, that's fly nice out. you know still gotta I mean, get a granted, hotel. don't get me wrong it's nice to not have to come up with a whatever it costs now 300 bucks 400 bucks mm-hmm. i don't even know yeah. anymore it's terrible but, you know, you still end up breaking $1,000 for the course of the weekend for a oh, hotel yeah. and, you know, plane fare and all that stuff. So um, every other year works just fine for me. Mm-hmm. I don't care what Matt says. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I paid full price and up until last year and I had to, like, work. Yeah, that's right. You guys both worked last year. <laughs> I was the slacker just walking around with a camera. Oh. You wouldn't be on my show. Can I do an interview? Yeah. Hey guys. Hey guys. Hey. I've got a I've got a podcast. Here's my card. All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see. Steven has a, a good one here. He says, came across this desk with a built-in computer and thought it looked good. So interesting thing about this. I first looked at it. I'm like, okay, so what? It's a desk with like, there's a computer inside a compartment. That's fantastic. And then I realized that the actual cabinet on the left-hand side of this desk, right next to where you sit, instead of an actual computer being put in there in its own case, the desk is the case. So the computer and the board, it's all mounted inside this area, just kind of raw so that when the door is open, you now have access to the guts of the computer. So it's actually, you know, the desk, I mean, frankly, the desk is, is nothing, um, you know, crazy exotic. It's, it's well built and and fairly simple. Um, but the idea that there's the, the left side is actually a computer case built directly into the desk is pretty darn impressive. So kind of a neat concept and, you know, at least gets the gears turning a little bit. Hmm. That is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, his next one comes from dusty. He says, um, I thought I would share a new method for cutting wood. Uh, this is from the YouTube channel, the backyard scientist. Dusty says the wood experiments around the three minute, 20 second mark. Initially, I thought that the, the knife had just riven the wood, but when you see the grain orientation, you can see that it did, in fact, cut the wood in half. Um, so this is the red-hot rocket knife. <laughs> um, apparently, there was a previous episode of this was just the rocket knife, and he decided that wasn't dangerous enough. Let's heat it up with a blowtorch and send it. <laughs> so he's he's taken like a T-track and set it up in his backyard and leveled it and everything, and then attached a kitchen knife to the the mate to the t-track and he drops like a roman candle or some sort of firework rocket firework behind it and it shoots the knife down this track across the yard so (laughs) it's basically and he's got a high-speed camera of course so he's cutting things in half you know after he heats up the blade with a blowtorch um the one thing i will say to dusty is that while that is a very clean cut he did actually cut with the grain yeah, it's it, just splitting did, it. It, it is splitting thing. the wood there. Um, I was like, I, I was looking at it. I'm like, um, I'm, what uh, Dusty's seeing is he's seeing the grain lines on a flats on board running straight across, and he's thinking, oh, it's cutting along those. It's still cutting with the grain, Dusty. He's not actually, if he were actually cutting it, he would have turned the log 90 degrees, so it was cutting across the width. But still, 
It's just that's fun. A, that's a fancy firewood splitter. Yeah. Anybody who just likes to see these experiments and red hot knives being accelerated towards <laughs> his girlfriend across the yard <laughs> with a firework. I mean, come on. It's the American way, right? Yeah, you, you really know? can't beat it. And it's not even a 4th yeah. of July. That's great. America. Very entertaining six and a half minute video <laughs> has, and, and there's wood in there. So it's kind of related to what we talk about here. Sort so there of. You go. Yeah. It is woodworking, you know, technically. All right. So kickback got one very quick here. This actually just came in and we didn't have any. So I figured I'd pull it into the notes. Connor McClure wrote in. He said, Hey guys, I'm caught up on all the 2016 shows through the current ones and have gone back to start from the beginning. I'm around episode 60 right now. And man, is it fun to listen to Mark and Matt discover iPhones and Twitter. (laughs) It's also fun to see how much Shannon pops up before he becomes part of the show. So, uh, well, yeah, we've been doing this for a while <laughs> you know, back to, at the point where Twitter was kind of not even a thing yet. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Actually the old, uh, the old podcast, the old shows, they're in black and white. A lot of people don't know that. Ooh. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we also have voicemail, which, uh, no one left. I think someone tried and it cut them off. So that wasn't worth playing. And, uh, <laughs> you can actually leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username there is Wood Talk Online, or you can call our phone number 623-242-5180, or just send us an email at, uh, woodtalkonline at gmail.com and send us a voice, uh, thingy from your voice app on your phone. That'd be good. Okay, let's get into our emails here. First one I have is from uh, Mike D. I don't think he's from the Beastie Boys, but his name is Mike D. Uh, It says, first, let me apologize for a very morbid question, but I need to make myself a casket, and the design I'm envisioning would be a frame and panel for all four sides. How would I join the corners, as it would be a long grain to long grain joint? I can't really use a common post in the corners like you normally would with the frame and panel chest because... Uh, it would place the panel too close to the edge and make it so that the handles won't have anywhere to attach. For what it's worth, I plan on making the thing entirely of pine and it will only be used, or hand tools will only be used on a project. Thanks for the help. Love the show and uh, have loved it for years. Okay, so Mike D, I actually did something very similar to this when I did a steamer trunk. So I'm going to have to remember to put the link in here to the steamer trunk series. It basically was frame and panel front and side. And I kind of had that same question. Uh, the things that came to mind were, should I miter these? All right. Cause it is long grain to long grain. So there's going to be some natural strength there. So should I just miter them? Should I do a reinforced miter of some sort, or should I just do a rabbit? And I finally settled in on a rabbit and Pardon me. You could easily reinforce this rabbit if you wanted to just by drilling holes through it after it's assembled and, and driving some uh, dowel stock, quarter inch or three eighths inch dowel stock through there. But that joint is going to be incredibly strong. So all you really need to do is rabbit one end and then pop the other end into it. Just put a three quarter inch by three eighths or quarter inch deep rabbit and put those pieces together. Now keep in mind what that's going to do is give you a glue line on one of the faces, right? You're not, the other face is going to be fine, but you will see a glue line. So one of the cool ways you could handle that is to sort of just put a chamfer on your corner and put that chamfer deep enough so that it goes right back to that glue line. And it kind of creates this visual illusion where people won't even notice the glue line anymore because now this chamfer is creating two visual reference lines on the corner and it completely disappears all right, so I think a, a simple rabbit would be good enough. Reinforce it with dowels if you feel like you need to or screws and then cover them with dowels to uh, cover the heads. Certainly an option. I think it would definitely be strong enough and, and will uh, serve the purpose. But again, you're going long grain to long grain and that's going to be pretty strong to begin with. And uh, good on you for taking on a morbid sort of difficult project. I don't think I could do that. You guys have it in you to do something like that? No, I don't know. Probably. 
You're, you're weird, Matt. <laughs> just, Matt's a weird I don't know. Matt. Just a box. Matt's just going to CNC a hole in a log and then put, put a <laughs> lid on it. <laughs> Keep it real simple. Oh, that's Actually, awesome. he's going to sit in his living room and have his automated bandsaw mill just do it for him. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Push a few buttons. Yeah, the one like a live edge coffin kind of thing. There you go. It's pretty trendy, you know. The most uh, stylish one, at least. I, I just find it to be. Um, I mean, I respect people who can who can do that. It's just something that would I would just constantly be thinking about it. And maybe maybe that's not a bad exercise in life to go through, is to sit there and think about your uh, your humanity and your life and what you've done so far with it. But ultimately, it's just one of those projects that I'm like, oh, I don't know that I could do it. So well, anyway, hopefully hopefully that helps you out, Mike. Um, good luck with the project. I can't believe we're already on emails. It's like a fast show. It is a fast show. Shut up. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> this next one is from Alan. <laughs> when making a dining room table, I've seen uh, many pictures of the boards rowing the short way, and I believe I've even read uh, noted woodworkers recommend that in magazine articles. Hmm. I'm planning on making a dining room table within the next uh, year with leaves. Is there a reason why rowing it in the short way is preferable to the long way? Any advantages or disadvantages stick out? So the biggest advantage I see for this is if you're making an expanded expanding table with leaves, it's going to be a lot easier to hide the fact that it's not like all one board. If you had them running longwise and you put like a leaf in it, you would see like where you cut those boards apart. So I think running the short way with an expanding table is going to make that a little bit uh, nicer looking when you have those leaves installed. That's really about, I don't know, other than that, though, like you can use shorter boards. So if you don't have like really long boards, you get away with using shorter ones. Well, I'm watching you work on the farmhouse table and thinking to myself, those are some long boards. And if, oh, yeah. you know, if you don't have big slabs that are taken up like 15, 16 inches of that width at a time, that's a lot of, you know, boards to have to glue together for this monolithic top and have to make sure those joints are, are good over that whole uh, length. So I think depending on the kind of, tools he has access to you know if you have a short jointer and you're trying to do too. eight to ten foot long boards on there suddenly that's a heck of a lot more challenging than doing a series of maybe four foot long boards i like that one well i also think that you know if you're dropping in an extension leaf um, and you did it the other way so the grain runs down the long axis of the table mm-hmm. when you have a really short grain leaf you'd have yeah. a really wide short grain board that would probably be really quite fragile. Kind of weird to glue that up too. You know, if it's like 12, Mm -hmm. we'll say it's a 12 inch wide leaf and it's, you know, 36 inches long. You could snap that over your knee. But I will say if you don't have the leaf, let's talk visually. Uh, While I think it doesn't look bad to have the, the boards going, you know, in the short axis, I think it looks better for them to go in a long axis. Think of long conference tables. The farmhouse table is an example. I think it would look, it wouldn't yeah. look nearly as good if it was oriented the other way, even though that is the easier method to construct. So if you don't have leaves, leaves and you don't have to worry about stuff like that, I think going longer just simply looks better. Yeah. But now you're getting to that design thing. <laughs> Stupid design. I, I haven't even watched that Netflix show and here I'm talking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. This uh, email comes from Corey. He says, hey, guys, love your show. Hey, Corey. That's really all that needs to be said right there. All right. <laughs> um, I'm looking into setting up a dust collection system for my 700 square foot shop. I have made do with a good dust mask, shop vac, and a broom for long enough. I have a table saw, bandsaw, bandsaw joiner. Is that one, is that one that tool? It's a combo Bandsaw tool. joiner? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Planer miter saw, and I fund my hobby mostly by refinishing furniture. Uh, so he's got a couple of handheld sanders that create mad dust clouds. They're mad. 
Man, mm-hmm. that's man, man, man. So I'm trying to work on a tight budget, but also not trying to cheat myself long term. Um, so I, I think this is a good question, although um, I got to say, I would love a 700 square foot shot. <laughs> I love when people are like, my small 700 square foot shot. Shut up. <laughs> uh, the, um, no comment. The, the, right. I, I do think that people who watch, you know, like Mark Spagnolo um, with all this duct work and crazy stuff stringing all over the place with these big giant cyclones that I'm crazy. You know, Alter the climate within a you know three block area when they turn them on. Is there a breeze around here? It's not a windy day. (laughs) It's going on. (laughs) Mark's dust collectors on. That's what it is. My ears just popped. The pressure just changed. What's going on? Um, there there is absolutely nothing wrong with just a regular old one horsepower, one and a half horsepower dust collector that you know you're setting up for one tool at a time. Um, now you can run a 700 square foot shop. I don't know what the dimensions of the shop are, but the biggest thing you've got to worry about obviously is the the longer the run of the hose and kind of the more kinks and bends in the hose, uh, the more CFM you, you might lose. <clears throat> but I have run for years with just a single dust collector that I hook up to the table saw and then I would hook it up to the joiner and then I would hook it up to the planer because let's face it, I'm not running more than one machine at a time. It's generally found upon to uh, plane boards, and, and, and have the board come on the outfeed table of the planer onto the infeed of the bandsaw, generally, generally found upon. So, you know, yeah, it would take a second to unhook the hose and go over to the other one, but you can buy those kind of quick release hoses and they're relatively easy to move around. And I think you'll find that, um, like I said before, as long as that run is not super, super long, so you can set up your dust collector in the middle of the shop or they all come with wheels on the bottom, you can always roll it around. Um, and you're just, you're getting uh, a heck of a lot more suction. And I remember being the same thing. I had a shop vac and that was all I used. And then I graduated to a one horsepower, uh, Delta collector. And just the, the suction on that thing was just startlingly different. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think you need to get super, super serious. And I think you can get away with a one horsepower or one and a half horsepower for, I don't know, probably 300 bucks. And you'll be fine for a long, long time to come. So I hear people talking about that Harbor Freight model. I don't know if it's one and a half or two, but there is a Harbor Freight dust collector that people just look on YouTube. There's tons of videos of people doing things to modify it, uh, increase its effectiveness, add a cyclone to it. Yeah, um, lots separators of make a huge deal as far as CFM. But yep, exactly. And yeah, that's cheap. I just I just think we tend to, you know, with the big shops and there's a lots of people, you know, putting in cool cyclones with fixed duct work, and there's no question that's really nice. You know, and I not have to run things around and have dedicated drops and everything, but, you know, sometimes it's just not necessary just yet. Mm-hmm. Work your way up to it. I cannot disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, good advice. Good. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> or do as I do, and you'll be happier. Um, okay. <laughs> so we have another extra show coming up after this, and if you're interested in that, head over to Patreon, sign up for uh, $4 or more, and you get access to the email extra every week. And this week, we're going to be talking about mixing glues, a very interesting question, and something we probably don't actually have a good answer to, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> we're going to say it in a way that sounds like we know what we're talking about, because that's what we do. Okay. Sometimes. Sometimes, occasionally. Sometimes. All right. Now, if you want to support the show, you can. I just mentioned one way. That's at patreon.com slash woodtalk. You could uh, go pick up a t-shirt over at twwstore.com. You could even set up a PayPal donation, uh, recurring or otherwise, and do that at woodtalkonline.com or woodtalkshow.com. Sorry. Always do that. Dang it. All right. iTunes reviews. That's another way. Cost you nothing. Just go into the iTunes store, 
look us up and uh, click on ratings and reviews. And here's one from, let's see, Mike. <laughs> I like this. Mike Rochgrain. Did I read this one already? I don't think so. <laughs> it's worth saying again. I'll tell you that. Mike Rochgrain says, I replaced listening to news radio with this podcast on my commute. And I have to say, I love how they keep politics out of the shop. The best and, to be honest, only podcast I listen to. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mike Rochgrain. Roch. Yes. And uh, Shannon, how about you give him the contact info and we'll get out of here. Absolutely. I'd love to, Mark. Okay. Sounds great. If oh, you wow. have comments, questions, or topic <laughs> suggestions, send them to us. Oh, boy. Wow. He's a whole octave <laughs> All right. Up. Now I'm tired. I'm out of energy. Not <laughs> <Jeez>. that much. <laughs> that wore me out. You guys can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Talk Online. You can call us at 623-242-5180. You can write it out using our contact form at woodtalkshow.com contact you can write it out on the website at woodtalkshow.com go to this post go to the very very bottom where it says comments or say something or something like that and there's mm-hmm. a little box there you can type into that and hit the little button below it and it magically through the miracle of transmogrification and tcp ip i don't know what i just said but <laughs> those are just words and, and letters and marks inbox. so there you go yes cool if you want it to be important and end up in mark's inbox that's what happens that's where everything goes to die frankly all right well thank you for listening everyone and we will catch you next time see ya